Tim Kirkjian, the legendary broadcaster, reporter, baseball aficionado from ESPN with us. Tim, great to see you. How you doing? I'm well, fellas. I did the uh, Rays against the Rangers, and I just got home from Tampa, so uh, I'm a little tired, but I had a great time calling that series. And next up, I've got the uh, Orioles and the Rangers on the radio starting on Saturday. So great time of year. Well, Tim, how are your ears? Because I heard it was just like the loudest playoff atmosphere ever. It was packed to the brim. That whole that whole group, that's what they called it, right? The whole group, the, the group ticket sale that they sold, the one group, was just off the charts, excited, right? That Look, that was, that was the smallest crowd at a playoff game since 1919. I looked up the game. It was game seven in Cincinnati. Shoeless Joe Jackson went two for four and drove in two runs in that game. That was the last time there was a smaller crowd at a playoff game than the one that we had at the Trop. It was uh, not a good atmosphere, and it was really unfortunate, especially when you look around and see what's happening in Minnesota right now and what you always see in Philadelphia now. Those crowds are crazy, and it really helps the team when they're that loud. Mr. Kirchner, how you been, brother? It's been a while. Uh, what does that mean, though, for, for baseball? Like, that's not a good look. I don't care if you say 1 o'clock game, 11 o'clock game. I doesn't matter. It's a playoff game when it's only so many teams left. Like, that's not a good look for baseball. And, again, they kept showing up with decks, which, you know, I didn't – that's just adding to the fire. You know, between innings, they would show the players up close. But what does that mean for baseball that this is happening? Well, it's not good for baseball, Adam, obviously. And this is why they're going to get a new stadium. You know, when the Rays were just being formed, a general manager friend of mine interviewed for the job. And I called him the next day and I said, so what do you think of the Rays? And he told me, this is 1997. He said, it'll never work there. Never. The stadium is terrible and it's in the wrong place. And here it is. He was exactly right all these years later. And despite the team being really good and beautifully run, it's just a really bad look for baseball when you have fewer than 20,000 fans for a playoff game. And the Rays won 99 games this year. They were 13-0. and They are a young, fun, exciting team, incredibly resilient with all the people they lost. And they were still here. They should have gotten better support. It's really unfortunate. You said the new stadium's coming in. It's going to go in the parking lot that's not full right now. So why don't they just build the stadium? They don't use the parking. Is it going to work when they put the new stadium in? Well, Eric, it's a good point. If it if the location of the stadium is not in the right place, why are you building a new stadium in the same place? Look, you guys know what it's like in that area. There's mud, I mean, there's water. There are bridges. It's not an easy place to get to. So it really makes you wonder, but, you know, obviously they didn't want to move to Montreal or anything else, but staying where they are doesn't seem like the perfect solution. No, and, and for anyone listening, watching, we went over this yesterday too. I mean, there was a very easy solution that was like 40 minutes away in traffic. You go back over the bridge to close by where the uh, lightning are, go to Tampa and not be in St. Pete, but they didn't get the same kind of cash deal on that front. And so... Here we are. All right, let's move on to the series, though, at least. What you saw on the field. How surprised were you with the product you saw on the field for the Rays? Or do you go, eh, it's a two-game series. Like, this stuff happens all the time. 
Yeah, anything can happen. And we all know the Rays aren't even close to being at their best right now, given they lost three-fifths of their starting rotation, their double play combination, and were both gone. Um, they just weren't the same offensive team. And they only scored one run in in two games. And it's just not good enough. But what I saw from the Rangers, look, fellas, they are really good when they are right. Now, when they're not right, they're not very good at all. But boy, they they scored the most runs in the American League this year. They had the most walks. They have a great defensive team. They've made 57 errors this year. Only two other teams in history, 2013 Orioles. And the Diamondbacks this year have made fewer errors in a full season. The, the Rangers made 16 errors the second half of the season. It's amazing how well they catch the ball. So they can really, they can really crush it and they can really catch it. And their rotation was excellent in this series with the two guys they threw out there. Montgomery was great. Evaldi was great. Their bullpen is really unreliable, but they are a very dangerous team when they play well. And they played awfully well, especially yesterday. I was the center fielder on that. Yes, I, I'm well aware of that. That team was great. But that's what happens when you got Buck Showalter and he's stressing defense. You find te- Look, you don't win in the postseason, period, if you don't have a good de- defensive team. I don't think I can name one subpar defensive team that ever really won or went to the World Series. You don't catch it, you're not going. And the Rangers can really catch it. And the Rays did a terrible job defensively in their two games against uh, the Rangers. It's the team you most recently saw. Rangers going into it, I think a lot of people were picking the Rays. So I'm not going to say what your pick was before the series, but seeing what the Rangers put out in his last two games, do you feel like they have a shot at making it to the World Series? I think they do. Now, again, they're the streakiest team in baseball. They had like six wins in a row, followed by five losses, followed by five wins, followed by five losses. It's impossible to get a read on them. But I'm telling you, it's like Mitch Garver told me, he said, for three months, we were the best team on earth. And he said, then for the next month, we're probably the worst team on earth. That's how streaky they can be. But if they get on a roll with that lineup, look at that lineup, fellas. Josh Young hit eighth yesterday. He had three extra base hits. Evan Carter, who is this is amazing young player, is hitting ninth for them. They got thunder all the way through the order. And when they swing it well and swing it right, uh, they are, they're the most dangerous team in the American League. And like I said, their defense is great. They just got to figure out how LeClerc and Chapman and Zabors are going to get enough outs late for them to get to and win the World Series. It's iffy there, but the rest of the team is loaded. Who is the most important person in that lineup? You you mentioned a lot of guys, but I need you to pick who is the most important person that if you're looking at them at the Orioles saying, we got to stop this guy from doing damage to us. Well, they have they have about eight guys who could be named there, but Marcus <laughs> Simeon starts it all. Marcus Simeon led the league in run scored. He led the league in hits. 
By the way, he didn't make an error in his final 72 games of the season. And you guys know him. He's one of the great workers ever. He's one of the great leaders ever. And they follow his lead. So when he starts a game with a line drive to right center field and then Corey Seager's up, Already the ball is rolling. So I think the Rangers have to look at Marcus Simeon and say, whatever we do, we got to keep him off the bases. By the way, he played in all 162 games this year, one of four players to do that. And, and he sets the tone for the whole team. If, if he's on and he's playing, uh, they're a really, really good offensive team. Let's swing around the rest of those wild card series to get your thoughts. So let's start with, I would say, the most controversial part of the game twos, John Schneider. And you know what? I'm going to stop doing that. The Blue Jays decide to remove Jose Barrios. You're just so used to saying manager does this, but we know that that was a group decision. So your thoughts on Barrios firing three shutout innings, looking fantastic. And then I feel like everybody that was watching together said, well, this is not going to go well. Here comes Kikuchi in a weird spot. They're going to get punished for doing something that is just a little bit too much, overthinking it. Do you agree? Yes. Uh, and you're right, Scott. It's an organizational decision. It's not the manager's decision anymore. Fellas, I'm sorry. We have stopped watching the games. We've got everything set up before the game starts. Like, this is what we're going to do. And yet, if you watch that game, you recognize the Brios was the best option there. You cannot take him out no matter what the pregame plan was. And, you know, this happened to Blake Snell in the World Series a couple of years ago. He was the best player on the field. But they said, we're taking him out after, you know, six innings or whatever it was. Um, it really worries me that we are we are figuring out the game based on a set of statistics, video, you know, algorithms and everything else instead of just watching the game because that's the most important thing. And it worries me tremendously because if you'd watched that game yesterday, Barrios would have stayed in. You said in the telecast yesterday, you said the game is bigger, stronger, and faster. Based on what you just said and what you said in the telecast, is the game in a better place right now? Are we watching a better game? Because you love but, baseball. Yeah, we are watching the best players that we've ever seen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The pitching is ridiculous. Ridiculous. The stuff, Eric, that they throw, they weren't throwing this when you came up and you're still a very young man. I've never seen stuff like this. I've never seen velocity like this. I've never seen big, strong, fast guys like this before. But to answer your question, I'm sorry, the game has not played better today than it was even in the 80s when I first started covering baseball. We have way too many strikeouts, in part, of course, because the pitching is so overpowering. You guys have to agree, the base running is the worst that I have ever seen. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, Flag Guerrero got picked off yesterday in a key spot. That just can't happen. But our players just overpower the game now with their physical gifts. And they're, they don't play the game all the time the correct way, like Robin Yao, George Brett, Cal Ripken in the 80s. They're bigger, faster, stronger, and better than ever, but they don't play the game the same way. The game is coming back, but I think it was played better 20, 30, 40 years ago. I really do. So, Tim, do you think teams will start to shift how they build rosters? And I think the example in this postseason should be 
the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, they actually received more pop in those games than I think they anticipated because I've heard Mike Hayes and I talked about this, what, a, a day or two ago, multiple times this year, before the season started, during the season, after they clinched, say, we're not going to out-homer teams. Well, they've got some pop in their lineup, but this is a team that's young, built on athleticism. They like to run around the bases. They do a really good job on that front. So, you know, it's almost like if the Diamondbacks go far and they've already picked up one upset, you know it's a copycat league. Maybe that starts to take us back to this more exciting, action-oriented uh, brand of the sport. No, Kratz yes. is shaking his head. He's like, nope. <laughs> uh, well, first off, with, it's not just the Diamondbacks. It's the Orioles. It's the Reds. It's a young man's game. Let's get as many athletes out there as we can. Let's put the ball in motion and let's go. And, yes, I hope we return to that. But we're still in a home run era. There was, we had a stat yesterday that I think it's 80, last few years, 84% of the teams that out-homer their opponents in a playoff game win the playoff game. It is still a hit the ball out of the ballpark league. And I hope we get away from that because I think we have too many guys trying to hit home runs as opposed to putting it in play. But this year, maybe we start, the league batting average went up a little bit. Stolen bases went way up. I'd like to see the ball in motion more often. I'd like to see the ball in play because the strikeout rate is still indescribably high. Do you think that with the Orioles Rangers series, the Dodgers um, D back series, those two guys, those two, those four teams who play, who run the bases really well, have the small ball and do got pop. Do you think that you'll see maybe a few bunts in playoffs? Maybe, you know, um, we saw it ain't happened forever. Right. We saw two bunts by the Rays the other day in one in one inning. I couldn't believe it. Um, yes, Adam, I hope we see a few more bunts put in play. Look, th the problem with bunting is you guys, well, the industry doesn't teach anybody how to bunt anymore. So remember the Braves last year, I haven't checked lately this year, but the Braves last year didn't get a sacrifice bunt until the 159th game of the season. Not one. And, you know, Maybe you shouldn't bunt when you're the Braves because everyone on the team can hit the ball out of the ballpark. But I still, and I'm, I'm a, just a, I'm an old man. I'm 66 years old. I grew up at a different time. I still think there's something to be said for moving a runner along and getting him in with either a ground ball on the right side or a bunt. I think it really does the game well when those things happen. But analytics say no. That's the reason why they don't do it. Analytics say you're giving it out away. The most satisfying thing that you can have as a, as a hitter, if you get to hit a ground ball to second base, is every single player come down there and high-five you. The guy walking up to the plate looks at you, says, hey, I appreciate that, because you're putting him in a situation to score a run. Now it's like, hey, just give three outs. Let's just swing it for the fences. If we didn't get him in, well, we had three chances, rather than get him over and get him in. Get the run. Play the game. Yeah, I agree. And you're right. The metrics do not support it. And a lot of times the metrics make a lot of sense. Interestingly, a million years ago when I covered the Orioles, Earl Weaver never bunted. He hated the bunt. He said, we got 27 outs. We're not giving away any of them. And he said the only thing that made him angrier than one of his guys bunting is when the other team was trying to bunt and his pitcher wouldn't throw a strike. He would scream, they're giving us an out. Take it. And yet today we, we never bunt, and I understand why, but I, I still think there's a place in the game for it, especially with the people who can run like, like can run today. You have covered the postseason for over 25 years. Is that correct? Me? Yes. 
Uh, I, my first postseason game was in 1981. So we're talking about 42 years. 42. We're coming up on half a century. What is your favorite? <laughs> what is your favorite moment that you were in the ballpark for in all your postseason games that you've watched? Um, well, I think it has to be game seven in 91. Jack Morris pitches a one to nothing, 10 inning shutout. Imagine a starting pitcher going 10 innings today in a one to nothing game. Absolutely zero chance that that could happen. And remember, that was the year, the year before the Braves and the Twins had finished in last place. And now both of them are in first place. The first six games of the series was tremendous. And then Jack Morris throws a one nothing shutout in the loudest building I've ever been in my life, the Metrodome. I couldn't even hear Steve Russian of Sports Illustrated, who's sitting right next to me. That's how loud it was in that place. So I wrote the sidebar on that game because Tom Kelly came to take Jack Morris out of the game. And Jack Morris, of course, talked him out of it. And Randy Bush of the Twins told me after the game, he said, if he had taken Jack out, it would have been the first time in Major League history that a pitcher killed the manager right there on the mound because <laughs> there is no way Jack Morris was coming out of that game. And just juxtapose that against what we play today. We're taking Barrios out in the fourth inning, and Jack Morris is going 10 innings because I'm not coming out of this game. I think we need a little bit more of that. I think we need to value our starting pitchers a little bit more because I think a lot more of them are built to go deeper into games, but the industry just won't let that happen. So did you hear that the other day, Zach Allen was talking to Tori Labello, like you, you better not talk to me or touch me until I think he told him what the seventh Jonesy and ended up getting removed went, after what was it? Six or six and change. He went, he went six, but he told him he's like, yeah. walk by him. So you better not do it. And <laughs> right. Okay, and you know, I love that you, you guys know that's what having two guys double barrel bullpens when you get two guys on. Ride your ace, ride the horse. He's a horse for a reason. Yeah, you remember Roy Halladay? Roy Halladay would come in after the eighth inning, and he would go hide down in the tunnel so Charlie Manuel and the pitching coach couldn't call, couldn't see him, couldn't talk to him because there's no way Roy Halladay was coming out of that game. And Charlie told me once he looks at his pitching coach and he goes. Well, I'm not going down there to talk to him. You you go down there to talk to him. That's how intense Roy Halladay was about finishing the game. And I repeat, I wish we had a little bit more of that today. I wish the industry allowed a little bit more of that. Tim, um, so you said you have Rangers Orioles now. Can you size up the matchup, right? Like, which team do you think has the better lineup, starting pitching, bullpen, you know, the way I would say manager decisions, but organizational decisions like, you know, Baltimore has done a great job building. They they haven't been here yet. Brandon Hyde hasn't been here yet. Bruce Bochy has been here a billion times. How do you think this plays out? Um, I think the Rangers have a better offensive team, even though the Orioles are a pretty interesting team. They put the ball in play. They run. They do hit the ball out of the ballpark. But the, the Rangers are clearly the best offensive team in the American League for me. So I think we have to give the Rangers the, the edge there. Starting pitching is just about a push. Kyle Bradish has been so good. Last 43 starts for that guy. His ERA is under 
under three, which is incredible. But I watched Jordan Montgomery pitch the other day, fellas. That's the best I've ever seen him pitch. And the Ranger people will tell you he's never thrown better than he is right now. And then Nate Evaldi was absolutely great yesterday. You know, that forearm injury, he just hasn't been the same since September 5th. But with all the money on the line yesterday, he threw a gem also. So I think the starting pitching is a bit of a push. Um, and clearly, well, maybe not clearly, the Oriole bullpen is better than the, the Rangers bullpen. That Ranger bullpen had a 477 ERA and he gave up 85 home runs this year. That's a lot. So I'll give the edge to the Orioles in the bullpen. I think this is pretty much a push series, even though the Orioles won 100 games. Like I said, when the Rangers are playing well, they can beat anybody. I want to talk about Mr. Otani. He had, his, he had his elbow surgery. What do you see for him? I mean, obviously everybody throw out a number, 500, 600 ownership. Uh, what what do you see happening for him? Because it's going to have to be interesting language due to he's had multiple injuries. Um, what, 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 who do you see him going to? All right. He's really going to get paid, but he's going to lose a bunch of money because he's, he's not a pitcher right now and he's not going to be a pitcher in 2024, which we all lose with that because we've never seen anybody quite like him, but somebody's going to go out there and give him a ton of money, maybe let's just say 450 million and then load that up with incentives in case he comes back as a pitcher in 2025. And there's no guarantee he's coming back as a pitcher in 2025. I, I think he will, but we're not positive of that. This is his second Tommy John. And as for Adam, where he's going to go, of course, that's the big question. And nobody has the right answer here. But it just seems most logical to me that the Dodgers have the best shot at him. To me, the last couple of years, they've been saving money here and there in order to load up to go get Otani. He's accomplished virtually everything that you can in the game. He's going to win his second MVP this year. He's the most remarkable player we've ever seen. The one thing he hadn't done yet is win. And he's going to look and say, who gives me the best chance to win long term? I think he's going to pick the Dodgers. To me, at least, we're all guessing, but that makes the most sense at this moment. Tim, I think it's such a unique case because, yeah, you mentioned 450. And I'll, I'll put that 500 number at you and, and say over under. I'm assuming you're going to go under. But I guess the reason why I still go over 500 is because of the uniqueness of the player. I know you're not trying to pay for a $500 million DH only, but the pretty strong likelihood that he will pitch again after next season. And I think top line overall in our league, it is still about making money for these owners. And it is no secret amongst everyone that Shohei Otani made the Angels significant cash, way more than any other ball player in the sport could make. You know, rumors are 15. I've even heard behind the scenes $20 million for the Angels just based on sponsor deals that go to the team, not for Shohei Otani. Knowing that alone and then putting that factor into the average annual value, don't you think that his contract, if he wants it to be, will go over 500 based on how many teams will be involved? Yeah, I'm, I would not be shocked or surprised if he got $500 million. I mean, that's what I thought he'd get 600 at the beginning. And then he got hurt. And I said, all right, he's only going to get 500 million now. He may go a little bit below that. But again, with incentives, it's going to, if he gets incentives, it's going to be a ridiculous deal. And a bunch of teams are going to be interested because Scott, you're absolutely right. The revenue that he brings in just being Shohei Otani is enormous. I think that's another reason that the Angels 
hung on to him because they got him for another two months, which means two more months of Otani revenue. If I bring up the name Junior, who's the first person that comes to mind? Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is the first junior that comes to mind for me. Um, A different Ken. Uh... Big a part of Ken, a big part Ken. of this show, oh, an old oh, rival. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we when we were on the beat together, Ken Rosenthal, Richard Justice, and I. His nickname was Junior, and here it is, all these years later, and I still call him Junior on first reference. It's hilarious when we covered the team. We were covering the team at the same time that Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson. Were, were teammates. They just got together with the Rockets and they were called the Twin Towers. And Junior and I were called the Twin Towers of Baltimore because both of us are under four feet tall. And those <laughs> other guys average about seven feet tall. So yes, Junior and I were on the beat together for a long time. Um, boy, he was a nightmare to go up against. But um, I loved him then. I love him now. He's a dear friend of mine. And sorry, Eric, I, I missed the translation. Ken That's okay. <laughs> Junior is on first reference every time. <laughs> I want to get your opinion real quick on, a, on something. Do you, for this is about Otani, with his injury history, do you see him or possibly doing a, a John Smoke scenario where, okay, great starter, hurt his elbow, go to the bullpen, become 50-save closer. He pitch, he's, he's available a lot more often. He's not, it's not every sixth day like he does in Japan. You can bring him every single day, or I mean, obviously not available every day, but a lot more often than a starter. So, do you could he could he end up at the say four or five years from now be a closer and still hit? Yes, with his skill set, obviously he can do anything. But I think it's really tricky when you're also a hitter and you're getting into you know sixty games as a pitcher as a reliever. I think it's really really hard. I checked with uh, the Angels people on this and, and I gave them that scenario, and one of their guys just said, "No, that's not happening. He's he's either going to be a starter." I mean, he's just going to be a starter, not a reliever. But I'm with you. I think he could be a great closer. I just don't know how you combine that with him also being a hitter. Yeah, the rules of the sport make that difficult. But who knows? I mean, he's done a lot that we never anticipated at this point. So he's going to dominate the offseason like LeBron years back with his decision. So in the meantime, Tim, enjoy the uh, postseason series you got coming up with the O's and the Rangers. We'll be listening. And thanks for hopping on here. Well, thanks for having me, Eric. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Scott. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Tim. You're great. Really appreciate it. The legendary Tim. See you Saturday, Kirkman. Dad. What's up? I said, see you Saturday, Dad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Are you going to be at all those games? What's your schedule uh, here? One and two. One and two. One and two? Okay. 